Well, hello everyone. I sure miss being there with you guys. I am Scott Deberson, the lead pastor here at Victory Life Church, and I am so sad that I have to be watching from home uh, and not enjoying the service live. I love being there live. I, I mean, hey, online is great. Loving the worship. Thank you guys uh, for leading us so excellently. And so here's the scoop. Here's why I am not there. So I I am in isolation. I'm off of isolation uh, uh, come Tuesday, and I'm in isolation because see that jersey there behind me? Well, that's uh, my hockey team's jersey that I'm a part of. We're called the Stickmen, and hey, a couple of our teammates got COVID, and as a result, the entire team uh, had to go into lockdown. But the last game before isolation. I scored a hat trick and I am the team, team's MVP. So, hey, I have a hat trick in my bag and uh, this is a, at least something to carry me through isolation. But yeah, man, I, I sure miss, uh, being there with you guys. Um, and hey, I want to encourage you with, with something. I've been loading daily video casts on, and those are available um, via our church's Facebook page, our church's YouTube page, or our church's Instagram page. And uh, these are daily casts. They're about five minutes long, and I talk about various topics. All this past week, I've been talking about wisdom, and I defined wisdom as Christ-empowered skill to live for the glory of God. So I encourage you to check these out. They're really great, and uh, they're inspiring and encouraging. So, you know, if you need a little pick-me-up during the week, uh, then I encourage you to dial in. Uh, they're always posted at, somewhere around 2 o'clock. Um, yeah, so, hey, man, I... I'm grateful for everybody who's there that has been manning the ship in my absence. This is my second Sunday now, and I am going stir-crazy. Maybe you should pray for Pastor Yvette because she has to live with me in my stir-craziness. Um, yeah. Well, hey, are you guys ready for the word today? I just want to uh, take a moment to introduce our speaker today, Dustin Bennett. Uh, Dustin is the youth pastor at uh, Royal Oak Victory Church, and he has a real passion uh, for the youth and the young adults, and he's a great communicator. Um, he's funny. I'm, I'm, you're going to really enjoy the message that he's going to bring today, because it, it, it will speak directly to our hearts and speak directly to, you know, even some of the challenges that we're facing uh, in this in this lockdown age that we're in. So, Dustin, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Uh, we love you and your family. Uh, hey, enjoy the service, guys. God bless. Bye for now. Let's hope I live up to the, the hype from that, man. Well, it's probably the best intro I've ever gotten. Because uh, usually 
when I'm speaking to youth, it's like one of, one of the students, they're like, hey, this is a guy who speaks to us every week. Hope you enjoy it. I'm like, oh, sick. <laughs> but man, I'm so excited um, for this opportunity. Again, those of you who don't know me, my name is Dustin Bennett. I'm from Calgary, Alberta, uh, Royal Oak Victory Church. And it's such an honor to have the opportunity um, to speak here today. And I just want to give honor to your pastors, to your leadership, to Pastor Scott and Yvette and Pastor Ron and Veronica. Uh, just an amazing team. So let's just give it up for your pastors. You guys have amazing leaders in this church to learn from and to to be excited uh, with. And so I'm excited for the future of this church. And again, such an honor to, to have the opportunity to speak today. And, you know, today we're going to just ha- have this conversation, this talk on lessons out of lockdown. There's this one kind of thought that I had, you know, over these past few months of stuff that we've learned, right? Like we've all learned things during these past few months. We've we've learned that we don't need as much toilet paper as we think. We, we've learned that like hand sanitizer sometimes hurts our hands. Like we've learned a lot of stuff. And uh, I think it's an interesting season for us to live in. And so today um, to, I'm just going to share a lesson that I learned. And this is the lesson of God's story. I just want to pray because I'm nervous. And I just want to pray for us to, all of us to receive something from Jesus today. So Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to come into your house. To come in fellowship. Uh, God, I pray that today you open up our hearts. You open up our eyes to receive something new. Something beautiful from you today. And God, I just pray that as I speak, God, that your words come out. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, there's this one time my wife, Beth and I, we went to this mall called Cross Iron Mills, uh, which is a mall just outside of Calgary, just north of Calgary. I'm sure some of you have been there. And we decided we would go shopping, maybe grab something to eat. So we took our separate cars out to Cross Iron Mills. And if you know Cross Iron Mills, it's a massive mall, lots of parking. So we park and we go in, we get our shopping done. We went in, we ate some food. And then on the way out, um, Beth went to her car, and then I went to where I thought my car was going to be. And then to that, to my dismay, my 1996 green Toyota Corolla was not there where I thought it was going to be. And I was like, oh, goodness, like, I'm pretty sure my car got stolen. Why someone would steal a 1996 Corolla, that was the thoughts kind of processing through my mind. Like, who would steal a car like that? There's like literally way nicer cars all around. And so I'm kind of walking around looking for my car. And I'm not kidding you. I looked for over an hour. I looked for, <laughs> Beth laughs because this, she knows this is true. I looked for over an hour. I went to where I thought it was. I went to where I thought it wouldn't be. And I kept looking and looking and looking. And all of a sudden, in the distance, there was my glistening green Toyota Corolla. Dirty as ever. McDonald's wrappers all in it. And I was like, I found my car. And I was so excited. I ran to it and get a text from Beth. Uh, where are you? We were supposed to be at your mom's house 45 minutes ago. I'm like, yeah. I, I lost my car. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have ever had a moment like that where you lose your car. Or you lose like, especially a car, right? Cause it's so big, right? Like you, you shouldn't lose that. You know, like I get like, maybe you lose your keys to your car, your wallet, but a car. And, there, and I was thinking like, how did I misplace such a huge item? How did I misplace my car? And, and, and then I realized I went out the wrong exit. So I'm looking in a location. My car never has been. It never was going to be there because I had parked somewhere else. And again, Beth was like, where are you? I'm like, well, maybe we should have one car, you know, like it'd be easier. We should have come together. And, and it got me thinking 
in this, this lockdown moment, in this pandemic that we go in, that, that we're in right now, there's so much chaos. There's so much going around us. And I think a lot of us, we've kind of lost track of where we're supposed to be. We've kind of lost track of where we need to go. And, and, and how often do, do we know where we want to go in life? And how often do we deviate from where we're supposed to go? Like we know, we, we know, we feel like God has spoken to us. This is where I want you to go. And how many times do we turn and we deviate? We, we go in a different direction than we actually feel like we're supposed to go. You know, we go out the wrong exit of the mall and we can't find what we're looking for. We can't find our calling. We can't find our purpose. It got me thinking, like during this lockdown and pandemic, I think a lot of us, we had big plans over these past few months. We had huge plans. We had plans to go on vacation. My wife and I, we were planning on going away to the sun and that never happened. I know my wife, she was pregnant during this lockdown. And I'll be honest, it was challenging. Because we, we couldn't ex- share in the experience of her pregnancy with our family, with our friends. Uh, we couldn't even experience, really, when, when she was born, our daughter was born, we couldn't experience the joy of, of a new baby as much as we had hoped. The people that we thought would be there for us the most ended up being the ones that were distant. And it was a, it was a challenge. We had all these things and all these things changed that, that we had planned for. We had, we felt like we had a purpose for this year. We, we thought this was going to be our year. And for some of us, this has been one of the worst years of our life. This has been one of the most challenging moments. We, we, we miss our family. We miss our friends. We, we miss our job. We miss our business. We've, we've all had things change. Some of us, we've lost our jobs. You know, some of us, we've lost our businesses. Some of us, we've lost relationships. Some of us, we've lost people due to illness and, and death. It's been a hard year, I think, for a lot of us. But again, the lesson that I learned over this lockdown is the lesson of God's story. That even in the chaos we find ourselves in, God is still has the crown. And even in the trauma, God still is on the throne. That even when life is going away from us, Jesus is still fighting for us. We're going to see a victory because of who he is, not who we are. Not because of the plans we had, but because of the plans he has for us. And I love that. That, that it doesn't matter what we go through, God is still there. He's carrying us through our most painful, broken moments. Our plans may change, but we can't deviate from God's plan for us. We can't deviate from God's story. God still has a plan if our plans change. Even in pain, God is still present. What we're going through was not a surprise to him. It's not like this pandemic came. He's like, oh, no. Oh, what do we do now? He gathered the whole, the Trinity. He's like, guys, what are we going to do about this? Like he knew he was aware and we need to listen to him. We need to stay focused on him. Even if we're in a dark place, even if the, the decisions we're making are leading us away from where we're supposed to go, we need to know that God is still there. God is still right there, right there behind us. We just have to turn around and run and jump into his arms. He's there for us and he's there with us. God still has a future for you. God still has a plan for you. How often do we deviate from God's story in our lives? How often do we try and create something on our own rather than rely on Jesus to lead us? 
You know, there's this man in the scriptures, I think this is a story, I think a lot of us, whether we've been in church for 80 years or we've been in church for 13 seconds, I think this is a story a lot of us are aware of. And there's this moment, this guy named Samson, and Samson, he, he deviated from God's story, he deviated from God's plan for his life, he, he, he went away from what he was supposed to do. And for those of you who might not know the story, the story of Samson. Well, we, we can see in Judges chapter 13 that, that Samson takes what's called a Nazarite vow. And this is a, a vow that, that people would take, uh, for them to be set apart. Like Nazarite means to be set apart in, in the Old Testament. Uh, if you wanted to be set apart for some time of your life, you would step into this vow. And for, for Samson, this was the thing he did for his entire life. He committed to this for his entire life. And there's three things that, that you would do. You would commit to. Uh, in this Nazarite vow and kind of really, really simple. You would commit to not drink. You would commit to not touch dead things. And he committed to not cut his hair. These are the three things that Samson kind of committed to with this vow. Uh, and, and, and this is the covenant that Samson was supposed to live up to. But if we read a bit of this story, you can see he struggled living up to this covenant. He struggled living up to this vow like I think a lot of us do. And so this is Judges chapter 14, uh, verse 1 to 9. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. So if you're following along on your phone or on your Bible, you can read along with me. Judges chapter 14, verse 9. It says, uh, Sam, uh, Samson, verse 1 to 9. So Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father, uh, but his father and his mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord for, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines because at the, that time the Philistines ruled over Israel. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Verse 6, Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. After some some days, he returned to take her, and he and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. Verse nine, it says this: He scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and to his mother and gave some to them, and they ate. But he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. You know, this is a moment where, where if we remember Samson's vow, he, he vowed to not drink, he vowed to not touch dead things, and he vowed to not cut his hair. Yet we see in this moment that, that he broke the covenant in that moment. He actually stepped into a, a moment where he wasn't supposed to be. His journey to losing his strength, which we, you will know later on in the story, it, it didn't start by getting his hair cut. It started from a lifetime of making, doing things the wrong way. It started from a lifetime of deviating from what God's plan was for him, deviating from the covenant he made to do what he thought was best. You know, if we read through it, he, he said, he saw what was right in his eyes, so, so he went after it. 
And I think sometimes we look around and we see all the things that we see right in our eyes. We don't ever stop and ask the question, what's right in God's eyes? Like, are we walking in, in what we think is best or are we walking in what God says is best? And we need to learn to do this because because this is what Samson did. He started to deviate. And sometimes it starts so small. Sometimes it's just a small decision we make, one thing that we do, and it leads to a lifetime of mistake. It leads to a lifetime of, of bad decision. It leads to a lifetime of doing the wrong thing. You know, the first part of the lesson of God's story is this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It says, I'm not the main character in my own story. I think we go through life and we think that we're supposed to be the main character. We think that we're supposed to be the protagonist in our own story. We think that we get to create the future that we want. We think that we're the main character in our own story. Samson was on a journey and he put himself at the center rather than God. And he put his ambitions before the thoughts of his father. This caused Samson to lose everything. If you read later on in the story, he's humiliated. His eyes are taken out. He, he, he's put in the temple. He's a show. He's like a circus. People just come and they look at him and they laugh at him. They make fun of him. He lost everything because he put himself at the center of his own story. When we put ourselves at the center, this can cause us to lose everything because we begin to live our lives selfishly. We begin to live our lives for ourselves, not for others. We begin to live our lives for what we can get out of it. What the prosperity we can develop, not the prosperity of other people. And that's when we start to lose our purpose. That's when we start to lose our calling is when we start living for ourselves, Not for other people. How often do you deviate? How often do I deviate from what God wants to do in my life? Because we try and control the things around us rather than place ourselves securely in his presence securely in his hands. We, t- we try and run away. We try and run away from his protection, from his security, from his love, from his joy. We try and run away because we feel like we can do better. We feel like we can accomplish more by ourselves. We feel like we can become more, more famous by ourselves. We feel like we can get a bigger following or have bigger influence by ourselves. We need to stop pursuing things that are right in our own eyes. We need to start pursuing things that are right in his eyes because that's where we're going to find our purpose in his eyes for us not our eyes for us because we go through life as if we're the main character but once we bring jesus in he's supposed to become the main character of our life he's supposed to be the one we're praising on our lips not ourselves he's supposed to be the one that we're sharing with other people not ourselves. he's supposed to be the one who's getting all the glory for everything we do not us He's supposed to be the one. But it's so easy for us to get so caught up, especially right now when things are falling apart. Thinking, I can do it. I can make a change. I can build my business back up. I can get a job. But rather than saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm struggling. I need you more than I need myself. I need you to show up. I need you to be here in this moment with me because I can't do it by myself. He needs to become our hero. He needs to become our savior. He needs to become our king. That's who he is. We need to come to the realization that God is actually supposed to be there for us. He's actually supposed to be there. He's the protagonist. He's the good guy. And the beauty is that when God is the protagonist, we know the end of the story. We know the outcome. 
We know that we will overcome. We know that no enemy form shall prosper. We know that we will see a victory. We know that he is on the throne. We know the end of the story. We know it. That we know that we're chosen. We know that we're his handiwork. That the gates of hell shall not prevail. We are adopted. My fear doesn't stand a chance. My anxiety has no place. My anger leaves. My doubt vanishes. My joy is refilled. And my hope is no longer in my abilities, but his promise. If our hope is found in our ability, we will never make it. Because we sometimes I think we think we're more able than we actually are. Samson, he thought he was able, right? He was strong. He had the strength of the Lord. The Lord showed up, the spirit of the Lord, and he got strong. And he killed lions and, and conquered armies. But as soon as he found his strength in himself, he lost it. He lost everything because we win. The enemy has already been defeated. That is who we are when he is at the center of our story. Romans 8 verse 31 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? This virus cannot be against us. We can conquer any enemy that comes in our path, not because of us, but because of Him. Because of the victory He got when He went to the cross. Not the pain that I put myself into on the daily basis. In Him. We need to start living in that promise. The promise that God has already conquered the grave, already conquered sin, already overcome the enemy. We need to put God in his rightful place in our life, right at the top. He needs to be our priority at the forefront of all we do, that everything we are, everything we have, it's because of him, because of what he gave us. All perfect and heavenly gifts come from above. When he is at the center, who can stand against? And once we put him at the center, we come to the next part of this lesson. You can write this down if you're taking notes. It says, I'm a plot twist in God's story. I'm a plot twist in God's story. I think a lot of us, when we look at our life, we see us just a blip on the radar. We see ourselves as a failure. We see ourselves as, as down. We, we, we see ourselves as less than. We see ourselves as not good enough. But I'm telling you, you're a plot twist in God's story. When we read the story of Samson, we look at his life and we see the same thing, right? If we read through that story, we see failure after failure after failure. We see all the things that he did wrong. The fact that he got his hair cut. He lost all his strength. He, 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 he was supposed to be this guy chosen, called by God. Yet if we look at his life, oftentimes we're not going to see that. And so when we look at our own lives, I'm telling you, I look at my life and I, I feel the same way. I feel like, like, how could God use me? How, how could God look at me and say, I love you? How could God look at me and say, I'm choosing you? I look at my life that way. And I'm sure Samson, when he's being humiliated, probably had those thoughts. Like, you chose me and look at me now. I'm nothing. I'm nothing without you. Yet Samson is considered a hero in the Bible. I'm telling you, you're a hero. Not because of you, but because of him. Samson was a plot twist in God's story. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. He said, there's nothing that the enemy can do. There's nothing that he can do that I can't overcome. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know how hard these last months, why they've been hard for you. But what I do know is that God will overcome. 
God will still show up. Even if we lose everything, like we see Samson, he loses everything. Yeah, guess what happens? He still conquers. He still wins the war. You're a plot twist in God's story. You know, we read in the book of Hebrews, we see Samson listed as one of the faith heroes in the Bible, despite turning his back on his God. Hebrews 11 verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. About David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Samson is listed as a hero of faith whose weakness was turned to strength. He became weak because he focused on himself. And God showed up and said, you're strong. I'm telling you, I don't know. Like You might be in this place. You might be watching online. You might feel weak. You might feel trapped. You might feel like you don't even know if you can go one more moment. You don't know if you can go one more day. You feel so weak. You feel so far away from where you thought you would be. You feel so far away from the future you saw in your mind. Even a prophecy someone said to you. They said, this is where you're going to be. You don't see that. All you see is the brokenness. All you see is the trauma. All you see is the pain. All you see is the things that you wish weren't there. And some of us, when we look, we we know that a lot of what we've gone through is because of the choices we made. Because of mistakes we made. Because of how we've broken our covenant with our father. I call what God did in Samson's life a plot twist. He took a broken, beaten, humiliated man and made him a hero. And he wants to do that for us. He wants to do that for you. He wants to do that for me. And I know it's hard to believe that sometimes. Because how could I be a hero? How could I be a, be a giant slayer? How could that be me? And God says, watch what I can do when you put me at the front of your story. God wants to take your story and he wants to take your pain. He wants to take your weakness and turn it into a strength. He wants your story to be shared so people can come to know who he actually is, not who media portrays him to be. Who he actually is. People can't argue with our story. God, God's story needs to be our story. When we read the Bible, that's our story. That's our history. That's what God has done. And guess what he's going to do? That's just the start of the story. We're still living in the story. The story's not finished. As, as long as we're breathing, we're not done. As long as we're breathing, there's still more to come. As long as we're breathing, God wants to do something new in our life to carry you when your strength is vanishing, when your faith is low. You were the plot twist the enemy wasn't expecting. You're what made him sit up as he's watching the story and gasp on his couch. You're what makes him shake in his boots because of who lives inside of you. And I love what he's about to do because Jesus, what because of what he did and will do in our life if we let him. We have to let him. We have to let him do it. God wants to take your life and turn it into a masterpiece because he loves every part of who you are. I'm telling you, he also loves the most broken parts of who you are. The parts that we don't love. The parts that we wish weren't there. He says, I love you. I love you in the midst of that. I love you. When I, one thing I think about Jesus, and I still to this day do not understand it, is why Jesus chooses to associate himself with us. He, he chooses to associate a perfect being. He chooses to associate with me, even though I'll fail. Even though I won't love properly. 
Even though I'll fail in sharing the gospel, even though I'll get angry, even though I won't share his love the way I'm supposed to, he says, I'm still going to associate with you. I'm choosing you. I'm going to sit at your table. I'm going to sit in your home. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there for you. He chooses to associate with us. And I think we need to learn how to associate with people too. You know, the people that the world is saying, we don't love you. That's who we need to associate with. You know, Jesus went out and he went to the places he wasn't supposed to go because he loved people. He associated with broken, hurting people. And I believe that that's what we're supposed to do. He uses us to create a better world and a fuller heaven. That's what he wants to use us to do. Not to build up our own fame, our own home, our own our own bank account, but to fill heaven with people, with souls. He says, I'm calling you to be a part of this mission. God cares deeply about every part of who you are. And he wants to fill you with the courage and the wisdom you need to lead your family through these moments. To lead your kids, to lead your friends, to lead your business, to lead our churches through this unprecedented times. You are the plot twist in God's story. He uses you despite your flaws for his glory. I don't know if you've ever watched the movie where there's a narrator. But every time I think of a narrator, I think of Morgan Freeman. And I'm not going to even begin to try and use his voice. So I, it will be embarrassing for me. I don't want to be embarrassed by that today. But I can just picture this this moment. The narrator, you know, you're watching a movie or you're reading a book and the narrator says, Johnny did not know what was about to happen to him on this fateful day. And then Johnny is on his bike and he hits a pothole and he flips over the handlebars, breaks his arm, gets scratches and he goes, cries. That's when the dad's like running, right? Like he's like, oops, training wheel shouldn't have come off yet, right? Like, like it's a big mistake, but that's the narrator. But what if Johnny had access to what the author was writing? What if Johnny had access to what the narrator was saying? The beautiful thing is, is that we do. We actually have access to the one penning the story. We actually have access to the narrator of our own story. The one who's, who's saying, I'm there for you. When the, when the narrator's speaking, we need to listen. And that's the third part of, of this lesson, if you want to write this down, is that I need to listen to the narrator. We need to listen to what God is saying rather than trying to go through life alone. The amount of pain we could get out of if we started listening rather than doing. Rather than speaking, we need to listen. Listen to what the author of creation is saying. I think, I don't, I think sometimes we don't realize the access we have. Jesus came to the cross, the veil was torn, and he said, guess what? I'm here. Speak to me. I'm speaking to you. I think God is always speaking. I just don't think we're always listening. And God, I think God is always speaking. He's always saying something beautiful. Because we try and overcome obstacles on our own. Imagine if we could actually talk to him. Say, hey, what next? What do you, what do you want to do with me next? How can we partner together for the future? What if we spend unaltered time with him? John 10 verse 3 to 4 says this, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. We need to know his voice. I think we struggle, some of us, we struggle, right? Hearing what the Lord is speaking, hearing what the Father is saying. And we're like, how do we hear him? I'm telling you, open your Bible. Because that's what he spoke. 
And you're not going to hear him if he speaks, if we don't know his voice. My wife, right? If she calls me or I call her, my hope is that she'll know my voice. After all these years, she'll know my voice. But if a stranger calls, the CRA is trying to take all my money. The police are going to show up in 10 minutes to my home. She doesn't know that voice. So she's not going to listen to what's being said. But we need to know his voice. We need to be able to differentiate his voice from all the other voices around us. What is he speaking to you? We need to know his voice. How much better would our lives be if we were to listen to the author of the story, the one penning the words, the one who created us? We can see how much better our lives would be just a couple verses later. John 10.10. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The enemy is trying to tear you apart. The enemy is trying to take what's happening in the world and tear you down. He's trying to take the pain you're experiencing and say, this is, this is your value. Your value is brokenness. He's trying to speak that to you. He's trying to destroy everything in your bath, in your path. He's trying to steal your future. He's trying to kill you. Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to rewrite our story. To rewrite it. He came in with an eraser and said, I'm going to tell you who you actually are, not who they say you are. You need to listen to his voice. The only one who speaks life into you. Whose voice do you want leading you? The one who brings you life or the one who brings you death? And death sometimes comes in shiny objects. Death sometimes comes in prosperity. Death, death sometimes comes in tricking us that, that death is more beautiful than life. But Jesus said, no, life is more beautiful. What I have for you is more beautiful. And I think the abundant life that Jesus is talking about here has little to do with finances. Has little to do with, with anything like that. All it has to do with is purpose. Living in his purpose. Living in his love, living in his peace, in his joy, in his courage. That's what I want in my, my abundant life to look like. I don't care what my bank account looks like. I look care how many people come with me when I go to heaven. I care about the future of our world. I care about bringing people with me. That's what it's about. That's the abundant life he's talking about. It's saying, I can be in so much pain. I can lose everything and I can still have peace. I can still have joy. Even when the world is falling apart, I can still find my hope, not in my bank account, but in him. That's who he is, and that's what he wants for us in our life. We need to start listening to his voice. This is what I strive for in my life. Because your circumstance, your circumstance may change your choices, but it doesn't cancel your calling. Our circumstance does not cancel the purpose God has for you. All that you've lost, all the pain you've experienced, all the trauma does not cancel what God wants to do in your life. As long as we're breathing, he's still working. And we need to pay attention to what he's saying. And I want to read, we're at the end of Samson's life here. In Judges chapter 16, verse 27 to 30, and it says this. 
Now the house was full of men and women and the, all the lords of the Philistines were there and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. He's humiliated. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once, O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and leaned all his weight against them. His right hand on the one side and his left hand on the other. Verse 30 says this, and Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were, who were in it. So the dead whom he killed that, at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Now Samson, he calls out to God at the end of his life. He's humiliated. He, he's lost all his strength. He's got nothing left. He calls out to God. And God shows up. Maybe today we're, we're, we're here, we're watching online, and, and this is how we feel. We, we feel like we're at the end. We feel like, I, I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I have the strength to keep moving forward. I don't know if I have the strength to lead my family. I don't know if I have the strength to lead my business. I don't know if I have it. Some of us are feeling that in this moment. I'm telling you, we need to call out. We need to call out to our creator, to our savior, to our hero, to our God. And we need to be real. We need to be vulnerable. I think some of us over these past few months, we've pretended that it's been easy. Maybe for some of us, it hasn't been as hard, but I think some of us, we've pretended. You know, when people say, hey, how you doing? Oh, amazing. Like this has been a great year. It's been beautiful. The reality is, I think for a lot of us, we say that, but we don't feel that. You know, Samson, he, he got to the end. He said, I'm, I, I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. And God said, let's do one last thing together. Let's conquer again one last time. Let's do something more together this last time. Let's not give up. We can't give up. I'm telling you, when we give up, the enemy wins and we can't give up. Let's not give up. Let's move forward. Let's fight. You might only have one battle left, but let's fight well. You might have 10,000 battles. So let's start today in God's strength, not our own strength. Let's know that He is on the throne. He still has the crown. He is still moving. He is still working. And we need to walk in that beauty. In every disappointment, His praise should be on our lips. In every painful moment, He should say, God, I love you. I don't understand this. I don't understand my pain, but I'm still here for you. Let's fight one last time. You know, for me, when I wrote this, you know, I spoke this message in my church a few months ago. But that week, I'll be honest, is one of the harder weeks for me. I, I, I spoke this, I think, in May. And it was one of the most anxious weeks I've had in a long time. I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't eating properly. I was struggling. You know, and, I, and, I, and these are the words I, I wrote. And I'm telling you, that is not me. Because I couldn't have wrote this. Because of the space I was in. But God said, hey, I love you. And the only time I found freedom is when I was real. I said, God, like, I can't do this. I had to be real with my friends. I had to be real with my family. Like, I'm struggling. I think it's time for us to stop going through life alone. And go through life together. We're stronger together. We're stronger when he's in the middle of our relationship and we move forward. St. Albert is ready for what God is about to do. You know, I believe that the enemy meant this pandemic for evil, but guess what? 
Revival can come out of brokenness. Revival can come out. And I'm telling you, I'm excited for the future. As hard as it's been, I know God's not done. I know He's still working. I know He's still moving. And I just want to pray for us today. That we can walk knowing that He's at the center of our story. We can walk knowing that, that, that I'm a plot twist. That brings, that brings up my, I'm energized by that. Because it's like, guess what? The most broken parts, God says, I'm going to use that for good. And we need to start listening to His voice. To listen to the narrative. So let's just pray together. Father, I thank You for this moment. This family reunion where we come together. And God, I pray that You help us put You in the rightful place. God, you help us learn to love you. God, help us learn to know that that you need to be at the center. God, I thank you that you're going to use us, that you're using us already for your glory, for your purpose, for what you want to do. God, I thank you that as we move into the future, you go before us. I pray for everyone in-house, everyone watching online. God, I pray blessing over them. I pray that you speak to them right now in this moment. Speak life to them. Speak love joy, peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for having me today uh, in the in this church. It's been an honor to be here. Uh, thank you so much. Wow, that was awesome. I don't know about you, but I really appreciated that word. And it was so honest and so real and just an infusion of hope. Yeah, I thought it was just such an infusion of hope. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, Dustin, thank you so much and for your family to be here. And, uh, you know, you were just like ready in the middle of it all. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. And uh, I love that fighting spirit. I just I felt like I was just like, yes. You know, I wanted to jump up, but I didn't want to be, you know, too distracting. But I was like, yes, that's so good. You know, I just want to pray this morning. Uh, maybe you're here in our physical presence. Maybe you're online. You know, you can have exactly what you were hearing today about that access to the narrator. I love that. You know, the one who is narrating your story. And he wants you to be able to connect in with him. Maybe your story hasn't gone quite how you'd hoped it would. But I want to lead you this morning into a prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to know that it's so simple. You know, you just need to pray this prayer and let him do the rest. He'll partner with you. But this is how you start. Everything has a beginning. So if you will just join with me, for those of us who are here today, let's just pray this together this morning. Let's say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and life. From this day forward, I want to turn and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer, and maybe you've prayed it way in the past, and you're like, you know, it's time for me to reset and commit myself afresh to Him. You go ahead and pray that again. 
There's no harm in praying it more than once. And to be very honest, you know, I don't know about you, but I remember hearing about, well, if you've prayed it once, you never have to pray it again. Well, you know what? Sometimes you feel like you do. So just pray it. There's no harm in praying that again to say, I just need to solidify that with God today. That I'm his and he's mine. And that we're going to do this journey together. You know, it's a good time to be connecting with God because we're in such uncertain times. It's it's weird. It's different. We've never been here before. And God wants you to not do life alone. You know, that's our motto. Don't do life alone. We really mean that. Not just without God. Like, don't do life without God. But don't do life without one another. We're here for each other. Amen. Well, I just really pray that you have a great rest of your day and uh, a great week. And, uh, you know, let's let's keep each other in prayer. You know, we've been encouraging people to, if you think of someone, send them a text or call them or send them an email or I don't know what you can do. Leave something on their doorstep. You know, let's show love and consideration for one another during these times. Amen. Amen. Well, you are dismissed and be blessed.